Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Space trash. Trash in space. Space trash. Lifestyles, the rich and uranus. Space trash. Celebrities, they're trash. But the astrology can help us understand. Transmission incoming. Greetings, Trashlings, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Space Trash. Lifestyles of the rich in Uranus, and I'm Sarah Armour. And I'm Molly Malshine, and I don't know if people know this about me, but Space Trash is not the only thing I do with a microphone. Insane. Tell us more. So I have an album that came out today, March (laughs) 17th, with Sam Rhodes and Sean Sellers, The Junior Misses. It's a comedy song album. And wouldn't you know it, Sam and Sean are here with us right now. Oh, my God. Welcome, you rock stars, to the pod. Hello. Hi. So as you can hear, Sam is British and Sean is American. And uh, we're here to talk about our album and also do the astrology of the most famous band ever to walk the earth, um, Maroon 5. No, just kidding. <laughs> So we're going to do the Beatles astrology, but first I let's talk a little bit about the album. It's called, what is it called, Sam? I always get it wrong. Oh, that's it. Sean, do you want to take this one? <laughs> <laughs> it's called Wine Mower Stovepipe Pong. Pong, not bong. So Wine Mower Stovepipe Pong. It is a collection of 16 comedy songs, which are kind of just like us sitting around and thinking, what are some of our favorite songs and genres that we want to spoof and you know one of the ones that's been stuck in my head all day is booby work it's about you know on-screen nudity sam and sean came up with that how did you guys think uh, and it's a spoof kind of of steely dan dirty work obviously instead of i don't want to do your dirty work it's men are looking at your booby work so sam and sean came up with this one believe it or not it wasn't my idea this is insane this is insane to hear just because you're so obsessed with tits but yeah how did you guys come up with it yeah i kind of had this really fun idea that i wanted to write the most technically proficient and arty song that i could but also make it about the most immature thing possible So it's got lots of complicated chords. It's got one of the classiest guitar solos I've ever recorded. And it's about women getting their tops off to make money in movies in the 80s. Yeah, it's got a guitar solo. It's absurd. Like I was listening to it. I didn't I had never actually heard the guitar solo before. I I forgot about it. And I was listening to it. I was like, what the fuck? Sam is like shredding on booby work. (laughs) This is crazy. You came up with a song that you regretted giving to uh to booby work because it's actually it's it's, it's very good it's yeah. a proper jazz jazz chord filled kind of mild prog rock thing and uh yeah i was quite sad that it wasn't used for a piece of real music so i hope hey, people this is to real it music <laughs> it is i mean this is the thing is like sam is a virtuosic prodigious musical talent and he plays every single instrument on every single song and mixes it together uh it's really crazy 
He is the Lennon and McCartney of the junior misses. So <laughs> I think that's a, and I'm probably the Ringo. And well, I always say I'm Lennon and McCartney and you two are both Ringo. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to literally say, I think that's probably the fairest assessment. So let's get into the Beatles astrology again. We're, we'll talk more about our album later. Please check it out on Spotify. It's out now. Wine mower, stovepipe, pong. It's a collection of nouns because that's got to be the easiest way to remember words. It's dynamic and it just jumps off the page, doesn't it? So, okay, the Beatles. Who do we think was the druggiest Beatle? Sam, who do you think? It's got to be Lennon, hasn't it? I think if anyone was an acid casualty, it was him. Oh, yeah. And he was like a heroin addict. So this question just got a lot less fun. Sorry. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's pretty druggy. Yeah. Happiness is a warm gun was about like a syringe, right? Yeah. Or maybe that's just a fan theory. I don't know. Sean, what do you think is the funniest Beatles song? The funniest? Yeah. Um, Well, I I think all the songs that try to be funny are pretty terrible, right? Like they're... They're all like like Rocket Raccoon or um, Silver Hammer, like you said, Michael Silver Hammer. Or um, I, I guess I have a soft spot for uh, Octopus's Garden. Like I, I actually quite like Ringo. I think Ringo is is incredibly talented, uh, and you know I think that his contributions to the band. He might be a bit of a punchline in that respect, but he's he he had the chops. Like he's he's a very skilled musician. Uh, and and the songs are fun. Like my problem with the Beatles at the moment, really, is is that it, it it's so ubiquitous that they're like nursery rhymes now. I have a really hard time listening to the Beatles music and appreciating it for its musicality because I, I it, it's so everywhere that um, it it just it all sounds like I'm listening to children's entertainers. I know. I think that's why so many people have the hot take of like the Beatles are overrated, which is just the number one thing that makes me completely like tune out of a person and be like, especially because like guys would say that in your 20s to like impress you at parties and you would just be like, okay, we're not hooking up. Like if they're like, no, the Beatles are totally overrated. And it's like, no, it's just because what you just like what you just said, Sean, like they're so influential that they're ingrained in every single pop song that comes out. And like the reason why you think they're overrated is because you're so used to it because they're literally the blueprint, you know? Yeah, Yeah, I agree. There's like, well, there's, it's so saturated that it almost just feels like we take it for granted. It's like, Oh, like this is like is music. And it's like, no, but it wasn't like, it actually is like incredibly like cutting edge fusion mixing that they're doing. And yeah, you really, yeah, it's and, and and I think what's so good about it is how, <clears throat> pardon me, is how like basic a lot of it can sort of sound because, it, you know, it's like even like when you talk about when you listen to actors talking about like bad dancing or bad singing in movies, actually, you have to be a really good singer or a really good dancer in order to perform bad dancing and singing. Like there's something about like the ability to make something just like sugar pop, simple, like so catchy and easy actually takes great skill. And we just take it for granted. Yeah. That's how people feel like in six, 1700 about the songs like around the Rosie. Like, was it, was it this great, this great song that then suddenly, you know, became a, a children's like nursery around like green sleeves or, or something. 
and we've lost any sense of any musicality from it. And it's just become um, this little thing that children sing in in the schoolyard. And is that is that like is that what's good, what the Beatles are going to be in? You think like Patty Cakes is going to be like Hard Day's Night? Like, <laughs> <laughs> we're start, like... I was going to say you completely forget that someone had to sit down and write these songs, and before they existed. Uh, you kind of just think they've always been there. And it's why I found the documentary to be quite so moving because you actually see the early days of a couple of those songs. And as I said, you sit there and you go, oh, my God, yeah, that came out of a man's head. <laughs> like he had to yeah. think of that. And just to think that they just weren't always there. They're like happy birthday. You know, they're just you don't imagine someone ever wrote that. You just think they're part of the ether and that we all hear them and we all know them. And I just yeah. love the idea that you, you see Paul McCartney creating a song and you've just got the others sitting around and nodding, going like, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> you know? And it's like one of the most classic songs of all time. And they're just like, yeah, yeah, sounds all right. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I so think funny. that'll be good. <laughs> I think my I, I have a pick for the funniest Beatles song and it's All You Need Is Love. because ah, Dark. They all hated each other when they wrote it. Oh, <laughs> shit. That actually is then. I I, I yeah. love that. That's a great take. And they were rich as fuck. So, like, they were, like, allowed. All you need is money. Just yes. stay away from each other. All you need is money. They're, like, literally allowing this money and all these corporate forces to, like, tear them apart as a band. And they're like, what can we tell the little people? Like, what can we, you know what I mean? And it's like, yes, I love the song. It was heavily involved in my wedding. It's an incredible, incredible song, but it really does. Like it was almost the first stone in the pyramid of the, how we got to Ellen be kind when she's verbally abusing her employees behind closed doors. Like it's, there's the direct line of that. You know what I mean? Like it's sort of is like the original preachy celebrity Bono anthem, but yeah. also at the same time, like, you know, my parents were alive back then and they were, they always say to me, like, you do not understand how like revolutionary, the, how revolutionary, revolutionary it was for them to talk about peace and to talk like to have a famous person be like, actually don't listen to the government. We need peace and love and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, that is totally valid, but it's just hilarious that they fucking almost killed each other while they were recording that album. <laughs> you that know? actually is extremely funny. And like maybe the next uh, album you guys do if there's an album to follow could be one that's just like laced with like just like hateful undertones of <laughs> yeah fun I always, I always love that he also wrote imagine about how great it would be to be a communist in a giant mansion you know? I, know. <laughs> I know it's so funny they always and sarah and i always talk about this about rich people saying to us money doesn't buy happiness and it's like okay then give it away Give it to someone. Imagine else. your life without it. You can literally <laughs> imagine no possessions in three seconds flat. Open the door. You live in New York City. Just put free shit on the door, and you have no possessions in two days. I don't know if, if Sarah, if you or Molly will know about this or remember this, but um, when I was a kid, there used to be on like these UHF channels. Um, that was a thing that existed before the cable and the internet, the, the like local television. Uh, and there used to be these, these, these ones that had like dedicate sections of the uh, night, particularly on the weekend to these Christian broadcasters. Oh, of course. And yes. Yes. And they would, 
they were great for music. Like if you wanted to hear the latest song, you would listen to the Christian broadcaster because he's going to condemn it, but he'll play the entire track. It's how it's how I heard a lot of a lot of new music. But one of them, they they loved this this one guy in particular loved to take Imagine and break down all of the satanic influences within it because it talked about no religion, it talked about no heaven, it talked about no hell, it talked, you know, it was it was, it was very kind of pro hippy dippy peace and 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 love uh, and 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 an alternative to a you know what what would turn out to be like a very kind of now standard right-wing Christian fundamentalist uh, view of, of, of the world. But it was, it was that, that, that always sticks with me because uh, I learned like all the lyrics watching a guy denounce it. <laughs> That's so funny. The right-wingers love to do that. Look at this terrible thing. Look at it. Keep your eyes glued to it. And I'm going to explain to you why I'm better than that, but I really need you to watch the whole thing and memorize the lyrics first. <laughs> What genius marketing, though, for the Christian, right? Because it's like, all right, we have to, like, lean into what's popular. And so we're just going to, like, ride this gravy train. But then we're going to have, like, a totally different take, which is, like, you actually all you you don't need love. You don't need peace. Like, you know, or whatever it is that they're they're slamming. Right. But, it's like, but it's like they're not going to nobody wants to hear their new, like, hot Christian tracks. It's like we want to hear the, the pop song. So it's like, OK, great call. Like, we're, we will watch if you want to see the like porno you are going to go to the guy who's denouncing the porno and And then you're on the right side of history yeah but you also still get to see the porno i'd love i'd love to write like a uh a prosperity gospel song that talks about how you know how how what you need to do and and what what jesus taught us was to gather as much personal private income as we possibly can and own as many as many private homes and jets and, and and kind of be the joel the joel austin of uh of 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 the world uh, I mean, I, I, that's actually a, a type of song that we haven't really explored yet we've got elements of it like in in private jet and i was just gonna say pri- i listened to the album i was gonna say private jet is right there the thing i find hilarious is all of these guys who were burning the beatles albums are any of them still sitting at home in the midwest going oh no the beatles are evil <laughs> you know they've st- they've kept the line all the way down they're in their 70s now and they're still like oh no those Beatles, that legendary band that everybody loves. I still think they're evil. <laughs> yeah, that would be funny. And they're, they've accepted metal and hip hop, but they're just like, no, the Beatles were satanic. <laughs> um, Sarah, you did listen to the album today. Yes. Uh, I know I said we were going to go into Beatles Astro first, but I just can't resist. Do you want to tell us what your favorite songs were and like give us some compliments about it? Yeah, I do, actually. So I, I loved the album. I thought it was fabulous. I, um, I love, I will say the first song as I was listening through, I was like, oh, I love, so I loved Private Jet. And I just thought, it, to your point, like, I thought it was a really fun take because it's, it sort of sounds great. And then you're like, what, what are they talking about? Like, they're talking about like, just like the, what is it like the you, the, you, the green, the green shit everywhere, like talking <laughs> about the forest in, in that way. And like, we like all need more private jets to destroy this gross thing. I just, I loved it. I thought it was fabulous. Um, Mom on a Hindu just really um, it it resonates as real to me. There's something very um, as a New Jersey as somebody who's been to a lot of these uh, bachelorette parties at moms at the weddings, and it's just such a that's such a character. And, yes. and Molly, you really shined, and that that character has a life of its own. I just thought that was really fun. Thank you. Um, Inspired by real events for sure. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. I also so 
who caught you? What is that? Who are you? That was the, who are you? Okay. So the backstory with that is I think Sean came up with the idea. What if there was a supermarket with a criminal CSI team that solves crimes? That's why the course is like solving crimes in the line. So we have a whole sketch about that coming out on the podcast, which is coming soon, which has sketch comedy on it. So oh, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought that was really fun. And then the other one, I will say just in terms of like influencer marketing, Tikka Masala made me want Tikka Masala. I love that one. I loved it. And I was like, wow, not only is this like catchy and delicious, but like, they're really selling me on like, <laughs> like I was thinking actually, while I was listening to Tikka Masala, I was like, wait, is this worth making into like a TikTok, like a 15 second, like, like, like if, if that, that could pick up as like a like an ode to like when people are like at, like at our Indian restaurants or when people are eating yeah. like I just feel like that's such an easy like like literally let's call every at home Indian food company that we've got like that is made to be like someone's commercial for like literally for tikka masala yeah well it is it is the British national dish it always wins the best uh the best food in England the tikka masala so really? I thought it's, it was invented in Birmingham. <laughs> So it's it's part of the Indian sort of set, but it was invented in Birmingham. It's basically just chicken with gravy. <laughs> it's like it's like nachos, you know, where it's like we kind of were like, this seems Mexican nachos. And like they take the Indian influences and take tikka masala. So I love tikka masala and it's so catchy. And I think we need to so make catchy. a music video for it like ASAP. But the really crazy thing about it is you start listening to it and you're just like, hell yeah, this is so catchy. And then you like keep listening to it and you're like, what the fuck is going on? He's rubbing it on his wife's back and then they're getting a divorce. Sam, how did that happen? <laughs> like, I just thought you were making a song about Tikka Masala. Yeah, I just do stream of consciousness stuff, especially because that <laughs> that one I wrote in the middle of the night on my own. I just, I just, there's a band called Yard Act who are a northern band who do these kind of storytelling songs and they're kind of quite uh, ironic and poetic and I was like okay what if this band was just writing a song about their favorite dinner <laughs> and then I just kind of let it I don't think I I don't think I even wrote anything down for that I literally recorded what? the backing track and I just went this is what this is about. And I basically improvised it. Tikka masala, tikka masala, aphrodisiac. Tikka masala, tikka masala, I'd smear it on her back. Mop it off her back with an onion bhajee. That's right, an onion bhajee. You get lots of sauce in the grooves. Tikka masala. That's want... so funny. It's, it's like, you know, well, whenever you hear like um, an interview with like Lil Wayne, where he's like, no writing, like one take, like it comes out perfect. It's like, that's your Lil Wayne, like, like yeah <laughs> that's just what came out it's like lol we are learning so much about virtuoso sam like yeah like at what point have you ever before that moment thought about rubbing your wife in <laughs> gravy like right. and now like, we know now we know how intimate bring up sopping it up with an onion bhajee and that the sauce gets stuck in the grooves it's like so <laughs> detailed it's ridiculous visceral, visceral. yeah I'd just like to go on record and say I was not married when I wrote that song. <laughs> I am now, but I wasn't when I wrote that. I know, because I was thinking, what are we going to do with this music video? Because, like, I'm the female member of Junior Misses, but, like, you have a wife. So who's getting the Tikka Masala 
drips down their back and stopped up with an onion bhaji when we do the video. I don't know how we're going to do that. There will be auditions and between you and Sam's wife and you guys can actually uh, you can you can find out which one of you is, in fact, the best back canvas for. I'm now I'm now drip. thinking we do it like a sexy rap video where it's lots of women dancing around and then they get covered in tikka masala and they all have to throw onion bhajis about in a in a cafe <laughs> let me ask this yeah. I, I love that just while we're while we're like round tabling now that i'm now that i'm i've arrived and i'm george now i just i decided so um is it a, molly if i cut just cut this tell me like could you do a like sort of a bollywood in in london like could it actually be like like could it be women like you know very like i'm thinking like ornate like heightening color like and then it's like you get that's where you get the like indian food restaurant sponsorship we do it at the location and we all make money well Well, here's the thing we have no budget at all first of all and second of all i don't know if actual indian people want tikka masala it's one of the whitest dinners available (laughs) definitely wait, wait wait what yeah if you come over to England, if you have the tikka masala, that means that you know nothing about Indian food, you know. Wait, it's like it, going to Ireland and ordering corned beef and cabbage. Like, it's just not, you know what I mean? It's not. Are you telling me, am I to understand, because I'm now just processing, like, what has been said already on this, on this deeply investigative, hard-hitting pod. Um, are you telling me that tikka masala does not come from India? Nope, it comes from Birmingham. Wow. So, so the, the story is apparently there were guys going to the Indian restaurant and in, in the north they have gravy on everything. And a lot of guys were coming in and complaining, oh, this dinner's nice, but where's the gravy? So a chicken tikka masala, chicken tikka is a way of cooking the chicken and the masala is like the sauce you have with it. And uh, this Indian restaurant up north just made chicken tikka with gravy that they called chicken tikka masala to appease all the northerners. And that's why we've got it. Wow. As somebody who would tell you that as long as it's not spicy, I love Indian food. I now feel so deeply ashamed. Like, I actually don't love Indian food. I love white people. Um, yeah. Northern UK tikka masala, like chicken and gravy. What do you that's mean it, as yeah. long as it's not <laughs> spicy, Sarah? Are well, you I sure? Just, I, well, that's where I don't have an easy time at all. You know, uh, even with Indian restaurants, not spicy to them means a little something different than it does to me like mild there sometimes is just far too spicy for me but i love the flavor like i love a not spicy indian dish but now i'm like no you actually just like white people food you fucking basic ass white person i'm shocked okay let's get back to the beatles because this is a great segue because they had their own moment of fetishizing indian culture they again like i said they invented every single thing in the celeb playbook so when they kind of started to get a little bored with what they were doing with Western pop, they said, let's look East. And George Harrison learned the sitar and they went and studied with the uh, Maharishi, right? And Mia Farrow was there. It was so crazy. I mean, I would kill someone to go on that trip, you know, like it just sounds so wild. So I don't know how I'm trying to segue this into astrology. Uh, I know they cared a little bit about astrology. I know that George Harrison was a Pisces and I know that his first wife, Patty Boyd was also a Pisces. And then that was a not good mix. So I don't know, Sarah, what, what should we do? Should we guess some energies? Sam and Sean, do you have any questions about astrology? 
Well, so I'll say this. Here's what I was thinking. So I was thinking first, before we get into the, like, I think we should definitely guess the, the energies of each individual person. But when I, when I was looking earlier, when I was researching for this pod, one of the things that I found really fascinating about the actual, so what we're looking at now, this is the chart of the day that the Beatles actually became the Beatles. It was the day that they were like, okay, yeah, we're the junior misses now and we're going to become huge. Right. So this, you know, and it would be interesting to like, if you guys could recall the day that you actually were like, okay, this is what it is. We're doing the junior misses and it's called that. And now let's get to work. We could also look at that chart. This is like a sort of the chart. So this is not a chart of, of any of the Beatles. This is the chart of the Beatles as a band in the world. And what I find fascinating about it, bear with me, boys. I know you're like, what the actual fuck are you talking about? But I know. And don't um, make fun of astrology because again, you are on our turf. No, it's all good. I'm excited Actually, to why find don't out you, about this. Guards down. Once you get a little gravy going down your leg or something just to relax, <laughs> I might actually, I might actually blow your mind. Okay. I get it. Yeah. Tikka masala, not Indian astrology, not bullshit. Okay. So, Love it. so what I find fascinating about this chart and I'll try to keep it sort of uh, brief and like in layman's terms, but Whenever you look at a chart, the sun, which is this little sort of titty here, mm-hmm. represents the, oh, yeah, this is, in, uh, that's how it was described in ancient times is the oh, titty in the, the titty, the titty in the sky. And also I was going to say, yeah, this is sort of like the booby work of the Zodiac, if you will. Mm-hmm. And come at, so the, the titten, the, the tit, the sky, <laughs> now I'm stuck the on the, saying the tit, the titten, <laughs> the sun represents the the sort of the ego of the radiant energy of in this case the band right so what i think is cool about this is the day that they decided okay we're doing it we're going forward as the Beatles. the sun was in leo the sign of the performer the sign of um heart-centered performance the sign of like the the sort of most it's the most self-expressive sign what's cool too is that it was almost exactly we call it conjunct when the planets are in the same place as the planet Uranus, which is the planet of like something changes suddenly that actually like changes the course of history forever. Like for example, even just like yesterday we had a big Uranus activation and I randomly got a free trip next week to um, go to Costa Rica. So like things when, when Uranus things happen, it's this, it sort of indicates like, changing the game forevermore like coming out of nowhere surprising um developments that actually like like and nothing will be the same is like kind of the way that uranian energy works so like it's pretty it's pretty right on and then you know they also have their mercury as a band the mercury is in leo so it's like the way that the band is using language actually changed the game in terms of how we think about music moving forward forevermore. I mean, they really are pioneers in many ways. What's also interesting is that it's an out of sign conjunction, but the sun is uh, in an out of sign conjunction with Pluto, which is the sign of like wealth. It's the sign of revolutionary change. It's the underworld. Pluto in this case is conjunct, meaning in the same place as Venus, money, beauty, like people will find them attractive and their North Node in Virgo. So they really were here to like do all of the sharing and the caring and the working up of the music and perfect it to the point that music is never the same again afterwards. And it's almost the thing about the music that I think we were talking about earlier, which I think this chart also indicates is that there's something about it that's so inevitable. You know, that's why it it feels like 
nursery rhymes or it feels like um, something that like we've already heard, but we hadn't, you know, and that I think is sort of the nature of the Beatles as a band. It's almost like it's like so perfect that that you wonder, like, what did they do? Like, like you you almost are like they used a stencil like they didn't hand draw it. They used a stencil, you know, like like, they didn't. Any hit song that you hear that becomes a favorite, you feel like you already heard it before. Right. It just kind of like hits hits you at a gut level like Tikka Masala. Do you guys think like if like what is the alternative in the multiverse in some other universe where the Beatles never met? I think pop music would have inevitably become what it is today anyway. Do you think that in that alternate universe, there's a separate Lennon band, a separate McCartney band and like a bunch of bands that kind of made the blueprint or like, what, how do you think it would have happened? Do you know what I mean? Like, because I think there is something special in the alchemy of these people together where they wrote every single big hit of that decade. I've always said, I think that we are very lucky that all the British bands got into rock and roll when they did rather than sticking with Skiffle because Skiffle mm-hmm. was the big, big music that they were all playing when they were kids, which is like weird South London kind of uh, folk rock with can washboards can you do a uh hoagie crab's mouth orchestra of what skiffle so skiffle always kind of has like an umpar bass line and then you have a guy scratching a, a board and they kind of did like um skiffly songs so like when i'm 64 is a bit skiffly hmm. um yeah but- okay that's interesting But I think it would be I think we were so lucky at this particular period in history. We were in this great place where we were getting a lot of American blues music in England and we had the right level of infrastructure to build these bands. And if for some reason we had never got these cool 50s blues records, we'd probably have Skiffle as the base for everything, because that's what all these guys were playing before they took it over and I think the stars definitely aligned when it comes to kind of technological advance uh actually a lot you of also say- had bands in America that were sort of whitewashing blues as well so like oh big time but that but we yeah but we had a singular infrastructure in the record industry at that point whereas the the biggest difference is people talk about the British invasion and I always say it's because in America, different parts of America weren't connected. Their music scenes were very, very different. But in England, we basically just had the North and the South who would talk to each other quite a lot, maybe two main bases where this music was being made. So we sent a very unified sound out to the rest of the world. And um, as I said, I do think it's a combination of the right recording technology, the right... um, the right mixture of people, the right mixture of sounds, obviously a lot of American military bases in England at the time. And they, they were the places that the blues music was being brought into. And it was the soldiers taking it to the record shops to get it distributed, you know? Yeah. And I uh, never thought of it that way regionally. Cause I guess it's, I never really would, it never would have occurred to me that like the reason why there were so many unified British bands is also the same reason why you guys treat TV presenters like A-list celebrities. Yes, because there's such a small the, pool. Yeah, you yeah. don't have the regionality of like, oh, this is our weatherman. I look at him six hours a day, but you've never heard of him out in Denver. No, it's Holly, what's her face, Willoughby, all day, every day over here. 
yeah. And I think I think it's that homogeny that led to the Beatles being such a huge, huge influence, because if you look at all the bands that came just before, they were all nearly there. They all had all the ideas, but they didn't quite put it down, you know. Yeah. And I think it's obviously to do with right place, right time as much as anything. Hermit's universe, universe, you know. Yeah, that's right. We could have had Herman's Hermits. We could have had any of these. Right, right. bands, you know. And then, like, maybe the 70s would have been when we had the more streamlined, clean pop with the simplistic, very pronoun-heavy love me do for me to you lyrics and then like mm. the 80s would have been the 70s and the 90s would, i don't know like maybe we would have been like 10 years behind if they hadn't kind of pushed it forward when well, they did what what sarah's chart shows you is once once you have you know once you form around tna it's it's all it all works from there right it's all that's that's the source <laughs> I didn't, I didn't oh really God, obviously about your star chart, but once once you said it was no, it was I think you get it. I actually think you get it completely, Sean. Yeah, <laughs> it is literally I, centered around around tits that change the world forever. And yes. I love that. I fucking love that. Yeah, it's all about tits and ass here at the end of the day, and we agree. Lifestyles of the rich and Uranus, it writes itself. And you know, well, the other thing I was going to say about the chart, just side note, is that Jupiter, which is the planet of like growth expansion magnification is in the sign of Sagittarius, which is the biggest, it is the most mature fire sign. And if you think about fire as an element, it's like Sagittarius represents the fire energy of like, like uncontainable fire. So this chart really does represent their sort of, their like, like that was that that's the way that their music sort of spread it's sort of like once we got a little taste it just it spread like wildfire and it was un- it was like this uncontainable musical you know transformation that they they sort of accidentally started by just bringing it all together in a new way and expressing themselves and like you know just going for it and and it just happened to sort of bring about this radical change in like the the baseline of what we recognize as like normal so much so that it just it it just took off and it it literally the whole world was on a blaze with the Beatles mania and it really it's in the chart. Well, Molly, you, you said what would the universe look like um, without the Beatles, and I think that's what the the junior misses the universe we inhabit. We we have we have Billy and the Ladybugs, uh, which but what do they evolve to? Right, they they don't evolve uh, into Paul McCartney as a solo act or, or or Lennon. They 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 evolve into essentially like an art rock band they, they evolve into roxy music and then and then they break up and and you know our our uh sinjin barbert character becomes brian eno and um our our other guy the the, the singer for for billy and the ladybugs which is jean paul george rango uh he he becomes he he becomes uh like you know, just, uh, I don't know, Ian Hunter or something. He becomes this kind of crazy, very addled <laughs> sort of, uh, you know, old, old, old rocker who you can, you can, uh, you know, you, you can imagine probably dressing like Steven Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess like we made, we turned them all into dickheads. And I guess in real life, it is kind of interesting that none of the Beatles really turned into dickheads right I think that's fair to say right like they always maybe that was maybe part of that was kind of them being 
the good boys and the Rolling Stones being the bad boys. So like when the Beatles did fuck up, it kind of got swept under the rug a little bit. They were sort of the air and the spare of right. pop music of the sixties and, and beyond, if you will. But like, I don't know, like they didn't really like, there's no Ringo wears sunglasses inside sometimes, you know, there's no real crimes happening. I always wonder if <clears throat> there's this level of them being so important in the world that they're almost forgiven for this stuff. You know, maybe there's some stories about them we purposefully don't hear because their music is a billion dollar industry. And I could I could believe that John Lennon would be difficult to spend an afternoon with from what I've read about him. Every time Sorry. I see Paul McCartney, he just seems like a delightful man. <laughs> yeah, John did have a little bit of a domestic abuse rising in his mm. early years. So, and that is kind of a thing that we all ignore, I guess. I think I think that's largely caused by his own upbringing, though. It's mirroring, it's mirroring the behaviors of his family, you know. Yeah, and I think you that's, don't get to do that. It's not no, I know, that. I know that's no excuse, but I think you know, I think he yeah suffered from a quite a severe lack of uh familiar love when he was younger i think everyone was kind of popping their wife once in a while back i hate to say it but i think you're right i think it was much less of a terrible terrible thing to do yeah you know in society taking taking molly's point like you could you know the, the beatles they had an animated movie uh ringo is thomas the tank engine's uh Fat, con- fat controller is that he, but you can't imagine that with with the Rolling Stones, right? Like there's no there's no universe where where it's it's Keith Richards who is on Thomas the Tank Engine, uh, being being the controller, <laughs> right. or there's an animated like Rolling Stones at Altamont or 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 oh my you know, god, like they're, they're at the Monterey Festival and there's there's like all the all the bikers are there, but it's all animated. Yeah. Also to take it dark again because I don't know, I just always have to like Go there. Everyone else, I guess this was more a thing in the 70s when they're okay. I'm I'm answering my own question as I'm thinking about it. So what I was gonna say was you never heard of the Beatles really uh hooking up with minor groupies. And in the 70s, like everybody did, like even David Bowie did, and he's thought of as like a pretty decent guy. Like Led Zeppelin was a complete shit show with that. And I think the reason for that is because the Beatles, like there wasn't really the framework of like rock and roll as like a party thing. And I think until the seventies and in the sixties, also the Beatles crowds were like so out of control. They were actually kind of terrified of them. And I feel like it didn't even occur to them. Like, wait, we could fuck them. (laughs) Like I feel like they just were like, Oh my God, why is everyone screaming? This is so weird. Like, I'm glad they're buying our records, but like get me away from these people you know well they were also as opposed to the rolling stones mostly happily married men as well throughout the time you know so did you read patty boyd's memoir mm, no it's so good first of all anyone who is interested in this era like classic rock in the 60s and 70s you have got to read it it's called wonderful tonight george harrison was a dog he was cheating left and right Oh, with- that's why he became the tikka masala of the group because he was like repenting or something. Maybe he's like, I just gotta find right. God. My bad. Well, I gotta find be- God. When he became really obsessed with Eastern religion, Patty says that he started really idolizing this Hindu God that was surrounded by beautiful young women, and like he would literally invite girls in to live with them as like assistants and just be like having sex with them the whole time. And he he was 
he was awful. So like when she left him for Eric Clapton, it was after years of him cheating on her because he was so miserable and like couldn't find any meaning in life now that kind of the Beatles were were on the on the downward slope of fame. So like I like they were all married. I mean, was John Lennon happy with Cynthia? Probably not. Not too many Cindy songs I can recall in the yeah. collection. I just think they didn't have that rock star framework of like, we play a show and then we fuck the girls. It was just kind of like, wait, we're we're like composers. And then like maybe on the weekends we have sex with Marianne Faithful or whatever, you know? Well, but I do feel like if I remember correctly, like I feel like there were a lot of and I don't know if these are true or not, but I feel like there have been rumors like about like sort of orgies and like group masturbation and like so I I think on some weird level too it was less about like fucking young girls and more about like we're so into being the Beatles let's all jerk off together oh my god that was the best New York Post cover line in history when the story came out of the Beatles having circle jerks together it was the headline was beat the Beatles oh (laughs) that's merch now that's merch that is fantastic how (laughs) good is that beat the Beatles for people who don't know, Meet the Beatles <laughs> their debut album, and obviously they were beating their meat together. Yeah, I think they they were also kind of like innocent little boys. Like they were, whereas like when the Rolling Stones were getting together, like if you read Keith Richards' memoir, he's kind of like, oh yeah, no, from the jump, it was this will get us girls. Like mm-hmm. we we learned to play these instruments, and yes, we love it, and we're all like very musical people, but like this will get us girls. Whereas but I think I don't know. The other thing to bear in mind is the Beatles only toured as a band for about three years. Right, they like never toured. Yeah, so it was only right at the beginning they were actually doing the tours, and they were only playing twenty minutes a night when they did. So yeah. why um, is that? Why didn't they tour more? The crowds were unmanageable. The crowds were crazy, yeah. So everyone would just literally scream. No one could hear what they were doing. The band couldn't hear each other. They didn't have PA systems like we do now. They just didn't have the infrastructure for the sort of size of crowd that the Beatles would play, which is why they just quit. They quit gigging. They just went, we can just make albums and we'll just do this. Maybe they were like the Beach Boys and actually they're all Sessions musicians who actually Mm. did of the music and it's just it's just <laughs> brian wilson by himself writing all of, <laughs> all the stuff that i i i honestly think that the that the uh the peter jackson documentary is actually a a a fake i think it's a i think it's a deep fake they they never they never came up with the music themselves <laughs> you know i wouldn't be that i mean brian wilson i is that dude i will say it's highly possible that he's just the goat of all music ever and like yeah we should do his chart sometime i i love I love a little cocaine meltdown still banging at the piano. I love my and shit. <laughs> either, either that or it was all Jeff Lynne. Maybe it was Jeff Lynne. It's actually the oh, yeah. ELO. <laughs> well, he came closest to getting the Beatles back together shortly after John Lennon died. The only oh, wow. time they've the only time the surviving Beatles were all in a room together was because of Jeff Lynne from ELO. Wow. And Paul McCartney's gone on record many times saying if there was a person who we could do a tour with and do the Beatles stuff with, it would be him. Because he would allow Which, us to jerk off all together. He joined. He loved a big circle jerk. Yeah, fine with, we love seeing his dick. Yeah. Yeah. Powerful. OK, can we go into their individual charts? Yeah. So I think we should. Yeah. Can you explain to the to the men how we kind of like. What do you guys do you guys know about astrology? Because I would love a little bit of guessing about the energies before I show you. But yeah, Molly, what do you think? I mean, what do you guys know about astrology? 
Yeah, let's just have Sam and Sean. Who do we want to do first? Lennon, Sam and Sean. Why don't you guess what you think John Lennon's sign is? I and think why? it all starts with Lennon for sure. Yeah, we don't need to know what you know or what you don't know. We're going to go from the gut. Just shoot Love from the it. hip. I reckon he's a Taurus. Why? Because he's, fire, he's fiery. He's a leader. <laughs> you know, he's he's out the front. He's making the tough decisions. He's saying things that people don't want to hear because he wants to say them. You really yeah. just summed up like six different signs so perfectly. Like you really, it's, it's really like, funny. It's, like it's a Taurus because he's fiery. It's like, well, okay. Yeah. Like you, it, it's, <laughs> a, it's as if you did memorize some descriptions of signs and you just hit the blender in your head. Cause you said verbatim a bunch of different. So why does Taurus say all those Bit things? Of a smoothie. It was a sign smoothie that we got. Yeah. Do you think of bulls as leaders of the pack? Yeah. They're big and they're strong, aren't they? And they're powerful. Hell yeah, and they powerful. do call me Mystic Smeg. So I'm. <laughs> oh, God. Wait, Smeg like Smegma? Not yeah. Smeg. Yeah. We used, to have, we used to have a famous psychic called Mystic Meg who did the. Uh... <laughs> so Mystic Smeg is that. so funny. Yeah, I want a song about Mystic Smeg. Like when you get a little of that <laughs> yeah. cream cheese, you know that something big is a coming or something. Oh, not cream cheese. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I think we're going to have to do something with that. I think it's got legs. <laughs> unfortunately, we have to do something with it. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Okay, uh, Sean, what sign you think John Lennon is and and why? Um, okay, well, I'm maybe not a Taurus. Um, maybe a Mondeo or a Fiesta. Um, <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll, is, is Ka, is that a sign? I don't know. I don't, do they still make Ford Mondeos? How old is that joke? I know uh, that was a deep cut. Um, I, I, I'm going to guess um, that he was either a Leo or like a Sagittarius. That's, that's, that's my guess. Sort okay, of why? like Sean's was saying fiery. You're actually just like giving him sort of an alley-oop with actually naming a fire sign or two. That's teamwork. Yeah. So why do you think Leo or Sag, Sean? Oh, I can we not call it Sag? Uh, <laughs> it is. Okay. Uh, why? What's wrong with Sag? <laughs> yeah. That's like Vag. Yeah. Just have- <laughs> oh, actually, if you guys want, we have merch um, looking for a Sag in my badge. So yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you totally get it. Absolutely. <laughs> we made merch. You think you're the first one that noticed the Sag and Sag? Don't be fucking made shirts. Yeah, we have shirts that are called Sagittarius in my Vagittarius, actually. The reason, so the reason I think that he might be one of those uh, signs is I'm, I'm guessing that Sagittarius is sort of the end of, of the year and that if he's, if he's anything like my son, my oldest son, uh, who is a Sagittarius. I knew you were just uh, going to say your two sons' signs because they're the only signs that you know. <laughs> I know, I know four. Thank you. Actually, I think I know all 12 because I, I, I watched the remake of Battlestar Galactica. Uh, <laughs> okay. So basically it, Sean picked Sagittarius because his son is a musical prodigy who also likes to dabble in the injectables and <laughs> same as John Lennon. He's a six-year-old. Uh, <laughs> prodigy. I love and, that. And, and I, I, I and, and Leo, because um, a lot of performers, uh, and and self-centered people are are, are Leo. Uh, That's very very astute. That's true. Yeah. That's okay, true. Sarah. Can you wait? No, that? Molly. I want your guess. No, come on. Let's just cut to the chase. We got three more Beatles after this. Okay, Molly. Actually, is she has no fucking clue. No. Um, yeah, I, no clue. I will say though, Molly, you have been getting things right a lot, and it's just it's fun to see you flex your psychic 
prowess, but okay. 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 I think he's got Aries in his big three. Cause I think he's very brash sort of how Sam alluded to what he thought a Taurus was. He's definitely like <laughs> would say the wrong thing at the wrong time. Like if you're sitting in a meeting, I think John Lennon's going to be the one who's like, wow, you look like shit today, you know? So I think he's got some Aries in there. So Sarah, okay. What okay. do you got? We are looking at the chart of John Lennon. We're going to find that titty in the sky. And it is in fact in Libra. He is a Libra son. I'm shocked. Well, I mean, I sort of could see it though, because I think part of his brilliance, I mean, to be, to be clear, his North node is also in Libra. And for you guys, the nodes are sort of like, um, soul evolutionary, like fate points. So you're right though, Ma, like his South node is in Aries, which means that he's almost like spent so many lives. Like he's coming from an Aries perspective on right. a soul his- level. And he's meant to evolve into yeah. that Libra perspective, which is like me versus we. So he, if he had lived god rest his soul a little longer he might have actually put imagine and all you need is love into action instead of just kind of idealize ideating them i absolutely think that and i will say credit to uh sam because while while john is not a taurus he does have three major he has his uh saturn conjunct his jupiter in taurus which and then also nearby, we also have his Uranus in Taurus. So basically, this dude was here to like share his gifts with the world and make a lot of money doing it. Like he has money in his chart. He actually creates stability with his, um, you know, opposite his voice. His Mercury is in Scorpio. So he kind of has this like inner he's tapped into the collective uh, sort of psyche. And For when sure. he sh- when he shares that the effect is that he banks on it. So that's kind of interesting. You were right about that, Sam. And in terms of Leo, he doesn't have any Leo, like major planets in his chart, but his wound actually is in Leo, which also becomes his superpower. And his Pluto is in Leo. So, you know, there's something about a Chiron in Leo where he sort of has a bit of a, it'd be interesting to know more. I, I, I need to brush up on my Beatles history, but like Chiron and Leo, it's like actually his superpower is that he's a great performer, that he he's a, you know, he's a star, but also that Chiron and Leo, there might've been a part of him that, um, you know, I mean, even, even what you're saying, like that he, they didn't even really get to tour as much as like, he might've really liked to do more of that, but there's like a wound around being stopped from actually performing. And so maybe part of what drove him to, you know, become a a, a sort of a great lyricist or or to put the band together or whatever, like there, there is something even early in his childhood and maybe it is just his, his family and the way that he was raised. There's almost like a wound in his area of self-expression where I could see as a kid, people being like, Hey, shut the actual fuck up. We don't care about your feelings or your expression. That actually drove him to become someone that was like, no, I will express myself. He was raised by his aunt and thought it was his mom until like kind of late in the game. So, oh, wow. but she was like obsessed with him and, or did he think it was his mom? No, he didn't. He knew his mom. No, And his yeah. dad was absent <laughs> until he was famous. Yeah. Aren't you confused about the actor who played him thinking that his wife is his mom? Which is the age difference between, between the two and the Taylor Johnson's. No, I didn't know about that. I th- I think I was confusing with Jack Nicholson, who thought his sister. Yeah, yeah, that's Jack. He had a sister mom situation. But OK, also, I think John Lennon, I think, you know, having his wound, his Chiron and Leo makes a lot of sense, because if anyone was going to complain about being famous, I would say it would have been him. Yeah. Like, I think the rest of them would have been like, 
yeah, let's keep our mouths shut a little bit. Like we're really fucking lucky that we went from Liverpool to most famous rich people, musicians on the planet. Whereas I think John would have been the one to be like, this is unfair. I'm being treated unfairly, you know? And it's like to, to like kind of maybe not really see the forest for the trees a little bit in that way. Well, and it's interesting too, because opposite his, almost to the degree opposite his Chiron, his wound in Leo is his moon in Aquarius. So in a way he, part of, I think why he was able to sort of, again, like with this Scorpio, Mercury like tap into the collective psyche and then it's like his his moon which represents his emotionality his inner self he actually was like fairly cold I would imagine oh yeah I would say so don't you think guys yep I can I can believe that he'd be a bit distant and aloof without a doubt he kind of pulled a Caitlyn Jenner on his first family he was just sort of like peace out I found a I found a Kardashian ah you know right Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah, it's like it's interesting because this moon in Aquarius allows him to feel into like what's going on in the collective, but it also kind of keeps him from and especially because that wound in Leo, it kind of keeps him from um, what I want to say is like actually caring like like not that. I mean, the other thing about Aquarians and Aquarian moons is that they can also be very like humanitarian in nature. But to that point, it's like a lot of times the most humanitarian people in the world are able to like are able to take on such like like princess diana famous moon in aquarius it's like she could go to you know africa and put herself in you know in the face of danger and landmines and hug the aids patients and whatever because she was like hey i'm cold enough actually that i can handle how painful this is she's like i'm gonna hug the aids patients and then i'm going home to my castle yeah, right, right. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's that's Aquarius moon in a mm-hmm. nutshell. And hey, mm-hmm. it's still more than I'm doing. So it's like no, you know, no shade, but like they have to be detached because I guess otherwise you would adopt everybody and then you would run out of money too. And then you wouldn't be able to do any of the like big activism either. Um, is, yeah. is there any, air- sorry, Sam, what were you going to say? I was going to say you famously refuse to hug anyone, Molly, as well. Right. <laughs> AIDS yeah, or that not. really is opposite. <laughs> How did you know that? I'm trying to shed that reputation. He listens to the podcast. He's a fan. Oh my god, that's been dogging me since I was literally a baby. That's fucking hilarious, Sam. Great call. Yeah, Mal, you might want to open your arms a bit and let the world in, but that's just a, that's one way to you know. No, if you I'm want. a cap. I'm a Capricorn. Where is there Aries? Is this true? Is he really an Aries rising, or did I make that up? He is an air. Oh yeah, duh. He's an Aries rising. He's a south node in Aries and he's a Lilith. Oh my God, I didn't even acknowledge you for that. Yeah, you got it right. 
he is an Aries rising. Boom. And then he also has his South node and conjunct his Lilith. So he really is kind of coming from a past life of like, of rebellion, like, and he's sort of meant to be a bit less rebellious in this life and more um, connected to, instead of being like alone in the woods, rebelling and, you know, inventing fire with sticks, he's actually meant to bring the people, the <laughs> sticks, sticks. To, 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 he's bringing the fire to the people through okay. music. the songs fire. So we've been on mic for an hour already. And I think it's three more Beatles is going to be really hard. Can we do like a rapid fire on sure. Paul McCartney? Um, S- Sam, what do you think he is? He seems like a calming influence. So which would, which is most associated with a calm demeanor? Virgo? Yeah, probably a Libra? Virgo. Okay. Like John Virgo. Yes, yeah, Sean. famous snooker you- player. <laughs> Duh, that's what everyone's thinking. <laughs> you just cool it. Sam actually. just said it. Uh, which, which, uh, which sign has wings? Oh, Red Bull. (laughs) No, that is actually a good question, because like that would be the kind of thing that like you would unconsciously name your band wings because your sign has wings. But there's no bird sign. And just to just to pull that back to our to our uh, our universe and and the junior misses, our Jean Paul Georges Rango, he didn't create wings. He created a group uh, called Bird Arms. (laughs) <laughs> and you'll be there on, on on the next season you'll be hearing prominent cars which is yes. uh, one of his one of his hits sarah is there any sign that's got got a bird or wings i mean why is maybe like well gonna, maybe like um aquarius but not really i mean there yeah i don't know if we have any mythological I'm trying to think birds. I mean, I guess air be- signs, air signs would yeah. be like sort of like, like figurative wings. Like that, that it has, you know, reach through the sky and the airwaves. But like, I don't know if there's actually any like bird in the Zodiac. That any, is crazy. Anybody that would play a pipe of peace. Who would play a pipe of peace? All right. Not that's hilarious. Gem- Pied Piper. Yeah. Not a Gemini. That's for famous, damn sure. The famous song that he, that he did. Uh, the pipes of peace. It's, it's a truly terrible, terrible It's my song. least favorite song. That and the frog song. They're the two of his worst. Can't stand them. Okay, I'm going to go with... I Even though John is already a Libra, I'm going to go with Libra because I do think, like you said, a calming influence, that seems kind of Libra to me to balance things out. Okay, Sarah, give us the, literally just the big three and what that means. Paul McCartney is... Hey, I'm sorry, I'm... Paul McCartney is a Gemini sun. What? Gemini sun with his Gemini Mercury, his Gemini Saturn, his Gemini Uranus. He's got a lot of Gemini. So nice. Geminis are not always not nice. I think if anything, it would be interesting to find out if, you know, maybe there was a side of him that wasn't always nice. I bet if we would find out in some of those circle jerks, he really might have done some weird shit, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. Right, that's the twin sign, right? That's what the twins, yeah. Yeah, which would explain everything because Paul is dead. And so it's his twin <gasps> who is now. So this that, this actually makes sense. This is I'm I'm on board now. I I've okay. I've got all this bullshit I, up. So what did I tell you? What did I fucking tell you? <laughs> Astrology is real and actually Paul McCartney's not. 
now that we know he's good. <laughs> yeah. And he's a Virgo, which Sam guessed. Sam, you're learning already. And his moon is in Leo. So he really is. It's interesting that John has an Aquarius moon. He has a Leo moon. The band was formed under a, a strong Leo sky because it's sort of like that that axis of Leo Aquarius really is about like the song and then the radio it plays on. You know, it's sort of like that the access of I'm making something to share it in Aquarius. So they they sort of balance each other out in that way where um, one might be more like collective oriented, whereas I think Paul is more self-oriented, even though he's a Gemini. And I also think that he was sort of, I don't know, I, I think he kind of kept the band together and kept it normal, as normal as it could be and kept it kind of grounded. So like for him to be, for his moon to be the same as the whole band's sun, it kind of makes sense that he's like the heart yes. of the band. He's the baseline, literally. Yes. Of- the band. So I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And also the fact that he's a, a Virgo rising is partially why if there is any sort of like darker side of Paul, or in fact, if this is just clone of Paul, that either way, like Virgo rising energy is stable, sturdy. And it's like, it's going to present like perfectly no matter what. And no matter like, so Virgo rising has the unique ability to sort of like hide a lot of things under the under the carpet or under the under the rug like because it wants to appear to be like really like with it and respectable so I think that's where and and also because he's a Virgo rising then with all this Gemini he's extremely mercurial so this is a guy who knows how to use words especially incredible that he's a clone but he knows how to use words (laughs) in a way that really is like words are very powerful for him so he can sort of make things seem whatever way he wants them to and he could be talking about some really dark shit and just clouding it in some weird octopus lyrics or whatever lucy that was ringo oh well we'll get to ringo but i and i also want to say ringo was always my favorite even though george's album was my favorite solo album so (laughs) ringo was the most successful solo artist of the beatles if you could believe that it's crazy well, oh, it's because yeah. he's Every been alive is- the longest. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true. true that. well, I, I can totally see Virgo because I think he has definitely, he seems like, he doesn't seem like a rock star. He seems like a little finance bro. Like he's got yeah. the vibe of a finance bro. I've always thought Ringo came across as kind of funny and fun. No, I mean Paul. Right? I mean Paul. Oh, Paul, you're talking about still. Sorry, yes. Yeah, yeah Ringo Paul's not, definitely got financy stuff. Ringo yeah. not finance, bro. Ringo is like history teacher. I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, okay. That's, yeah. that's pivot to Ringo. What 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 sign would represent history teacher in the zodiac? Taurus. Well, I, I would say Sagittarius because I'm a Sagittarius. I'm also a drummer. And I feel a, a great kinship with Ringo Starr. So I'd be, I would very much like us to be in the same bracket. Okay. So that's so interesting because you are not the Ringo of the band. No, but, but in real life, like I'm it. a Ringo, definitely. I disagree. I think... <laughs> but I get why you like him. I think you're He's affable. Cute. You're affable like Ringo. Yeah. But I think your talent is, more, and I'm not even blowing smoke up your ass. Your talent is more. Uh, John Paul George, I would say. Well, I'm going to put that on all my posters. <laughs> His Sam talent is, is John... more John Paul George. And Mom, honestly, Sam Molly, is... your talent is more Pope John Paul. <laughs> oh, come on. I never did any work. No crime. hugging. No hugging. Stop. You can't do this to me with the no hugging. I've been seriously. Sam, where did you get that from? 
I just had a psychic message that just you're not a hugger. Just pretend you listen to the podcast, Sam. Say it. I listen Hold to the on. podcast I'm all the time. The, leave a review. Everybody leave a review if you've heard yeah. that Molly doesn't hug. Look, like it's okay not to be a hugger. Maybe there's a pandemic going on and I'm trying not to kill old people. So wow. soon. Okay, Sean, what do you think Ringo's sign is? Oh, I thought you were going to say, why do I think you don't like to hug people? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not talking about it. I'm 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 not a I'm not a hugger either, so I I I'm I'm on board. And um, I'm a group. I'm like a group masturbator, so I'm way the other <laughs> end. That's what make a good podcast. Two very opposite, the yin and the yang. Yeah, it's the winner. Mike, I get it. Okay, so um, I think what what sign is is Ringo? Um, I'm going to say he's a water sign because he's got a lot of songs about water. Mm. Uh, so what is that? Pisces, Scorpio, and, um, Cylon. What are the three? What are the cancer. three choices? That's ten. You don't know. No, you this just motherfucker knows. And it's yeah. cancer. Don't test us. We know too. I we know too. Uh, also I, know. This is like me on a date being like, how do your cars work? And it's a wheel. He's like, he knows two out of the three water signs. And he's like, babe, I can't think of it. What's the thing that we call it? We press the foot. To get the to get the car going, and she's like the gas pedal. He's like, you're so smart. Yeah, don't play it coy, Sean. You know your shit. I told you, Battlestar Galactica. That's that's why that's why I assumed the third one was Cylon. Uh, <laughs> the so I'm I, I'm gonna guess Pisces. That's my I don't I don't know what that means or general water sign. General water. That's a good yeah. okay. And Mama? okay, Sarah. T- I I said Taurus. I think oh, Taurus. Right, okay. Taurus. He screams so, Taurus to me. Drum roll, Pisces. He looks like a Taurus. Okay, Ringo Starr is a oh my god he's cancer, all in one spot Cancer Sun Leo conjunct his Mercury Moon and he is a Pisces rising and his midheaven his legacy how he comes across to the public Sagittarius look how good the team is doing Okay did we do good What is it so, Okay so Sean was right Pisces rising and Sean and- was right Water sign in general. Oh, what's his? Oh, cancer's the third one. Yeah. Okay. I guess cancer makes sense. Cancer is really hard for me to understand. Can you explain like really quickly and then we'll move on to George? Why Ringo, why it makes sense that Ringo's a cancer? Well, I mean, honestly, I think that cancer's son, I think that he does have sort of like in terms of what he radiates, he does have sort of a like, I mean, I think Mm -hmm. it's part of why he became like a sort of punching bag too, in a way, because I think he has sort of like a, um, how do I put it? Like a soft, he comes across soft. He was the only one who wasn't working class, right? Like he was kind of, well, John was working class, but I guess he had a little trauma with the parents. I don't know. I went on a Beatles bus tour in Liverpool like two years ago and they kind of were, they were like, this is like kind of the good part of town. And this is where Ringo lived. And he sort of got some shit from the other guys for it. So like, it would make sense that he's a cancer. He seems a little bit like a mama's boy. Yeah. And well, I also think if you think about cancer, what that represents, it's the first of the water signs, It, which is represented by the ocean. And so it's sort of like this, you know, and even where it is in his chart is in the cancer house. It's almost like Ringo, even if he's not like the front of the band, what I would say about his chart is that he actually does hold a lot of the gravitational pull of what's actually going on behind the scenes or like I actually think he's much more controlling and a part of a lot of the based on the chart 
I would say that he's much more controlling. And I think even part of his being in the back for so long was a self-protective measure. But I would bet that like, if we were to see inside the actor's studios of the Beatles at this time, like I, I wouldn't be surprised if like there was this sort of running theme of over and over being like, well, Ringo, like put his foot down about this or Ringo strongly suggested we go in this direction. And, you know, and again, here's another Leo moon. So he also is very, he's very much, concerned with authenticity in performance I think we were talking about lyrically he was sort of the favorite it's like yeah he actually has the the perform what he cares about in his soul is expressing himself truthfully and expressing himself in a way that he can um really like feel proud of and so all his lyrics were really weird like his lyrical contributions were like octopus's garden and yellow submarine and what else was a Ringo song? Well, but that's very Pisces rising, Sag. Like with, legacy with a little help from my friends is the big Ringo. Now, one. Th- that's oh, a that's real a cancer one. classic. That's a cancer with a little help from my friends is definition cancer Leo, like ch- childlike energy, promoting, hanging out, loving each other, like wanting it to be a safe, comfy space. Like, I don't know. I love that for him. So, Sarah, what you're saying is that if Lennon McCartney were fire and ice, he was like lukewarm water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. or i don't even know he's it's like actually i think i think if lennon if they were fire and ice i actually think what he's like is actually like the like the 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 fog coming off of the the dry oh, he's the steam the steam he's, he's mm. the steam. okay i okay sean any thoughts I'm none. Okay. <laughs> He's like astrology is just real is my only freaking thought. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> and last but well. not least, what is the Beatles without George? So yeah. What do you guys think about George's energy? I know his, his son. Oh, you know, do you? I already said it, but I'm sure you guys weren't listening. So I think we can still. All, they've li- all they remember from any podcast is that you don't hug. Stop. <laughs> uh, not this is not, it's not funny. I just. Like, I just don't like it when people are like, I'm a hugger. I just don't like that. I'm secretly totally with you here, Molly. I, I'm the same. I'm just, I'm just doing it to wind you up. No. <laughs> it's not very mature. I'm not very mature, though. Have you met me? <laughs> I don't know I if think... this podcast is like, a, I don't know how mature the whole kind of brand mm. is. Uranus. Sort of the yes. big and, joke of the thing. So And booby work. I mean, oh, I'm not. Nice. Yeah. Yep. For a Capricorn, I'm definitely Pisces getting... rising in the end. Pisces rising yeah. in the end. I know. The Full of surprises of creative, new creative directions. Lol. Okay, which Sam, one is which one is the goat one? The goat is Capricorn. That's me. I'm a Capricorn sun. You see, and I'm I a Capricorn moon. Also, oh, you're a Capricorn. I, I, I think that he's got a goaty sort of thing to him. He's got that stillness where it's like, you know, he's easy to get on with. But if you cross him, oh, I bet he's a nightmare. For I sure, better give yeah. you it give you a headbutt like it's nobody's business. So <laughs> I think he's I think he's a goaty sign. I think he's living in the goat world. I think that's very astute, Sean. What do you think? All right, so let's 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 work this out. Okay, so he's my least favorite of the Beatles. What? Why? Well, I, I really hate his solo work. I uh, love his solo work. Isn't that I, embarrassing I, for me? But I know I love, I love it. it too. I he did, love it. He did. He's a well known well known plagiarist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He uh, he. I, I think while my guitar gently weeps is is a terrible song. Yeah, that's my it least is. favorite. But I loved like um, I got my mindset on you. I feel you like that's one of those songs that comes that, on in quick check, and it's like yes. That's, that's a that's that's essentially a Jeff Lynne song, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Um, 
whatever. We like it. I, I also but, think, yeah, while my guitar gently leaps is very overwrought, it's got a very stairway to heaven quality that yeah. I just, I never re- really noticed that till now. And now you guys ruined it. A dramatic sign. Mm. What? Say that again, Sean. What, what's the most, what's the most melodramatic sign? What's the, what's the real like Streisandy sign? It's got real Streisand rising. You think he's schmaltzy. Schmaltzy is a good way to describe him. It's I very think. funny. Yeah. What do we think is the schmaltziest sign, Sarah? Schmaltziest. You know, I don't know. This sort of reminds me of like, I, I feel like the schmaltziest sign. I don't want to say because I'm looking at his chart, but it's Pisces. It, it, it just depends. I mean, I guess it's like, because also to me, if we're just talking about what is the schmaltziest sign, I think it could be gemini too because you can sort gemini can sort of like get like hyped about like dramatic like dramatic and hyped about something that they don't actually like care about it's like it's like it, there's sort of a theatrical expression of dr- gemini that could always change so yeah it's sort of like there's a novelty to the presentation in a way yeah but it's like okay who's gonna send me a tiktok or a reel of like a boy baby and a girl baby kissing on the lips and be like isn't this amazing is my is a pisces like that's pisces that could be like oh my god that's so cute i'm crying so if you think he's schmaltzy but i only hear the schmaltz in while my guitar gently leaves i don't hear yeah i guess schmaltzy is more like like right excess it's more like schmaltzy is a little bit more emo than a gemini but don't you think that something in the way she moves is like okay sure that is a little schmaltzy but it's like justified schmaltz and he pulls it off like it's that song's amazing that's a beautiful song i've got to say yeah. i'm a big fan of that song it's Same. one of the best ever to do it who do you steal it from? <laughs> <laughs> he wrote it about Patty Boyd. I'm telling you, anyone listening to this who's a Beatles fan, you have got to read or listen to Patty Boyd's memoir. It is absolutely incredible. That song was written about her. Layla was written about her. Bell Bottom Blues was written about her. Wonderful Tonight was written about her. She is the muse that I will never be. The wow. only thing I got written about me was a Dune concept album. And the Dune concept album is my favorite thing that I know about you, Molly. I will never stop loving that fact. So for the listeners, uh, Molly had an ex-boyfriend who wrote her not just one romantic song, but a themed concept album based around the sci-fi classic June that was all used as an analogy for Molly. Yeah. Because she is like a giant sandworm. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Put it on her gravestone. Write it down. That's really, that's it right there. I know. When I was, when I told you guys about that, about when I told Sam and Sean one day when we were recording about the fact that a Dune concept album had been written about me, like it was the first time those words had ever left my mouth. And I just was like, how did I not realize how funny this was? <laughs> like, I can't believe it <laughs> happened. And I just sat there and I was like, oh my God, like he loves me so much that he's writing a Dune concept album about me. Like, I just thought it was like really romantic and high concept. And then when I said it out loud, I was like, what the fucking <laughs> David Lynch, the worst David Lynch movie ever. Like he, you know, I don't know. It's just so Yeah, funny. this is pre this is pre Chalamet. This is a this is a pre Chalamet tune. Years before Chalamet. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry for that. Uh side note. Okay. George Harrison, what do you got for us, Sarah? George Harrison to round out the band. We've got George Harrison as a schmaltzy ass Pisces sun and a melodramatic ass Scorpio moon. Duh, Scorpio is melodramatic. Mm -hmm, Oh my God. mm -hmm. He's a Gemini rising. Um, And his legacy is in Aquarius, which is why we're like, was there actually something wrong with him? Why did he move to 
India and st- and like change his whole like thing. He's sort of seen as like sort of the alien of the group. Yeah. And it's interesting. You were talking about like the stillness, like he sort of has the stillness to him. Is that we were saying that we were talking about George with that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The still like like Scorpio is a water sign, but it's basically like the still lake. And then like, there's all this like shit going on underneath that you can't really see, but it looks kind of like serene and still, but then there's like this, yeah, just deeper, darker underworld that they're not telling you on the real estate tours. Like this lake is incredible. This is how much millions of dollars. And like there are dead bodies underneath, but like it's so still and serene. Always have to be sinister with Scorpio. It's like, no, I'm just thinking about in terms of, no, it could also be like, it also could be like, there's a a treasure that could be, there's a treasure underneath that no one knows about there's just it's just that there's depths i'm just saying that because nick's a double scorpio and you're always implying that i'm going to find out something horrific someday and it's no gets under I my skin think- a little bit well i've got something to tell you he is irish i don't know if you knew that <laughs> don't know if he was keeping that from you damn <laughs> that's a real big microaggression from an english person to imply that something's wrong with Irish on St. Patrick's Day. Oh, oh God, it's St. Patrick's no. Day, yeah. Oh I am calling the IRA, and I guess <laughs> I have their number, and they're coming to Morden. <laughs> LOL. Okay, right. Sean, what do you think about these revelations? The watery nature of it. What I just want to say, while Sean is thinking about something he couldn't care less about, what he didn't say about it. <laughs> um, uh, Sam, I want to give you credit, too, though. Um, George's Mars, his like action energy, his masculine energy, his outward facing is in Capricorn. So you are right about like tenacity and the way that he would fight and sort of be. Um... You were right about how he slang that dick. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Was, was it the beard that made you think he was a goat? Yeah. Yes. He's going to say that. Yeah. But he brought some real bit, some goatee energy. Do you know what I mean? Like he's, he, does he's have like, Capri- he has Capricorn energy for sure. I don't know why I agree with you. I, I mm. definitely can pick that up. So Patty Boyd said in her memoir, which everyone should read, it's called Wonderful Tonight. She said she's a Pisces and he's a Pisces. And she felt like once kind of the halcyon days of the Beatles crested and and ended, like her and George just became so like wrapped up in like they couldn't, neither of them could pull each other to the surface. Like they were both just kind of like in this weird pit where they didn't know what their lives were going to be. He also didn't want her modeling. She was like a huge model. She was up there with like Twiggy. And when they got married, he was like, well, actually my wife shouldn't work. So like mm. you're not modeling anymore. So she was all upset because she couldn't That's model. That's not cool. Yeah. And she, she, she was also upset because she couldn't model. So she became this like amazing vegetarian chef because he when he became obsessed with India, he stopped eating meat. And then he moved all these Hare Krishnas into their house and he had them do all the cooking. So she was oh, wow. had Harry Krishna interns who then he was also shopping. Probably. Yeah. Harry Krishna interns. Making it up. I don't know yeah. that. For but a the fact. Pisces of it is like. Just, Indeed it is. Yeah. Like he I feel like he was just swirling around for his yeah. life. Like he kind of. Well, and he I, was really like searching. Like I think what we think about Pisces energy, we know about Pisces energy. It's also like the you know, this is actually the last week of Pisces season before we begin our astrological new year. Uh, when Aries season begins at the ingress of the changing of the equinox and whatever. Ingress. So 
Pisces is about dissolving. It is about like the the dissolution of or the sort of the dissolution of copyright. Whoa! Like literally boundaryless motherfucker just have trying on all these different personalities, letting one die and picking someone else's and embodying that. He hears a song and the next day he's like, "Oh my god." I can't get no satisfaction. Wouldn't that be great? You know, like, cause he just can't even distinguish. <laughs> That's some Pisces shit right there. Well, yeah. he did win that. He won the lawsuit, didn't he? By claiming that he probably had heard the song, but he didn't steal it on purpose. So I oh, think so he's that's just like a, Olivia Rodrigo 1.0. I think this is the legend that he, this is what he was bringing with him all the time. Yeah. Well, I think he, I, I think also like based on his chart and his vibe, I feel like he's the most likely of the three of them never to have been famous if he wasn't in the right place at the right time. And that's not to say that he wasn't as talented as the rest of them, because he he definitely was at least as talented as Ringo. But like he was I just think he didn't he didn't really seek fame. He definitely like I think in in another universe, another life, he just would have been one of the best session musicians that every single person calls when they need like a great hook, you know, Mm. Yeah, I mean, and it's interesting, too, because he has his nodes, like his south node, where he's coming from, is in the 10th house, the career house, the public house in Aquarius. So his north node is in Leo in the fourth house, which means he's actually here on a soul level to actually find himself. So he, I think he would have not been necessarily like famous because that's not really what he's here to do. But I do think he would have like worked professionally no matter what to get to a point that he could have enough like access to resources that he could go on all these like journeys within well he needed those two guys that were a little bit more outgoing because they were friends at school weren't they the three of them so he seems like the nice quiet one that they kind of adopted and they're like right you're coming with us because we've got the drive to get this to happen and you're good at this so you can come with us but yeah, I think you're right. I don't think he'd have made the decision on his own. I don't think if he was not in that band, I don't think he'd have pushed in the way that Lennon and McCartney pushed. It took him a long time to decide he wanted to write some songs even. You know, I think he was yeah. just along for the ride a lot of the time. You know, it was only, yeah. what, fourth, third or fourth album he started writing songs? Yeah. The rest of the time he's just playing everyone else's. Sean, you look very pensive. What were you going to say? Uh, about about George, uh, nothing. I was just I was just thinking in in all the photos of the band, I I do like the way he dresses. That, Pisces that's, that's... creative geniuses when it comes to style. That's why Molly Pisces Rising always looks so cool. I guess that's pretty much everything. Is there any other trash we can spill about the Beatles, about each other, about our album? What was the biggest scandal that happened while we were recording this? I do have a question for the Brits or the people that are in the UK right now. That even if they're not British, okay. There was the, okay. We did promise you, listeners. We said last episode we'll be back for an for our uh, for our Oscars app. We didn't do an Oscars app. Really, nothing yeah, happened. Yeah. But the one piece of news that has been going around is this question of whether or not in that pre-show interview Hugh Grant was being rude or was he just being British? I would. Like it was. I watched it and I just thought I I know that man. I've <laughs> I've I've spoken to that man every day of my life. I don't think that was a sexist thing at all. I just think that was him being largely disinterested in an American institution. Well, uh, yeah, I, what I you're saying is isn't rude. It's just he's being honest. Well, I don't even think it's honest. I think I actually thought he was being quite sarcastic and flippant. I didn't I think, think he, he was, was being... being sexist. I don't think no. that at all. Anti-American. I th- yes. 
I just thought he was being immensely flippant. It's like whenever you see Robert Smith at any music award, you know, he does exactly the same thing. He's got no time for it. He's there because he's being paid and his mates and his publicists have told him he should be there. But he doesn't really want to be there and he doesn't really care. But yeah, when yeah. she's like, are you so excited to be here at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? And he's like, not as excited as you are. And it's really, <laughs> but like that was at least funny. But I don't know. I thought Hugh Grant was being a dick. Like if you're going to schlep to an awards show where you're not even nominated and you're so cranky that you're going to be a dick to the interviewer who's making nowhere near the money that you make and just doing her job. Don't go. Don't go. Well, don't I think, though, the good thing is he got a lot of press for it, didn't he? he so did, I think actually. there might there might be a little bit of a calculated move on his part. You know, he's got a, he's got a personality to upkeep. He's got to be doing his thing. You know, I'm this cranky middle-aged man now. But we all think he's charming. Well, it's just ironic that like, so the whole thing was that Ashley Graham was like, so exciting. You were in glass onion or whatever. And he was like, Oh, really wasn't for like two seconds. And she was like, yeah, but how was it for that two seconds? And he was like, it was literally nothing. You fucking idiot. Right. So that was like sort of the vibe of the conversation. But what I think is kind of (laughs) ironic is that now that conversation and it being played a million times over has like quadrupled the amount of time that he was in glass onion. So (laughs) he, he made his point. Like this is longer than that. You fucking moron. And you know, what is she supposed to ask him about then? Hey, what was it like when you got a blowjob from a sex worker in the night? Yeah. I mean, I I think pisses me off as a journal, as someone who's been doing entertainment journalism. Right. Like she was just trying to for a very long time. Yeah. They all say, don't ask me about my personal life. Only ask me about my work. I'm so serious. Acting is so hard. You have to ask me about my acting roles. And then you do it and they give you these stupid ass answers. And it's like, can we just admit that you're all kind of dumb? Like, do we, why do we have to talk about your job? It's so boring to hear actors talk about acting. Like, yeah, It's I, just you know, acting. It's not that hard. Yeah. You stand there and say lines like, please, you're not in a coal mine. So it's just, and, well, then and it's you, also not live theater. It's like you get a million takes if you suck. Like you don't even have to memorize the words. You don't have to do anything. You just show up and do like, say some stuff and we'll figure out how to work with it afterwards. Yeah. So that's what annoys me about it. Cause it was not even like she was asking him something about his personal life or even his outfit. Like, she's like, let me focus on your work, which I saw. And I'm trying to engage with it in yes, a surface level way. Cause we have 30 seconds to talk, but like that's longer than I was in the film though. Yeah. Like why be a dick? She did. She did ask him about his outfit. Cause he, cause he gave, oh, he gave thought that he didn't, he didn't, he, it was just a suit. He didn't remember like who made it. She's like, you know, what, what are you wearing? He's like, I, just a suit. It's and like, so why did he even free? Why did he even go to talk to her, though? Like, was he just in, like, a pissy mood, you think? Because it's like, there's no question that, like, what did he think? What was he hoping that she would ask? Like, they say, they say that he's, like, a these days in particular, a famously difficult uh, interview. At, and, and uh, you know, as Sam was saying, like, he, he has he has no real interest in, in, in being talked to by the press. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know the circumstances of it. Like, when you walk down those, those carpets, if, 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 he was, if he was kind of, pulled aside by somebody to talk to her or, or, you no, know, he's sp- too powerful or, to get or, pulled. Like, or, he- well, that's what I mean. Or, it, yeah. it, or as, 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 as Sam said, kind of, you know, a combination of, of his, his representatives and his people moving him down the line and him, him getting the opportunity to make, make the most of it. The most, you know, you get, you'll get far more press by, by being difficult than you are if you have, uh, a kind of breezy two second comment back to to say that isn't on brand for what you're what you're trying to 
to create now. But I also like, like Sam, like I, I 100% recognized uh, his, his demeanor, uh, the way he spoke. Uh, it was very close to home. And I thought that, that I, there's, a, there's a bit of it. Like, That's probably how I would have answered a lot of those questions. Those cheeky Brits, <laughs> those cheeky Brits. Well, yeah. like the thing that's like I said, he's opting into this really short surface level entertainment interview. So like no one's forcing him at gunpoint and he is a big enough star that he doesn't yeah. have to do shit on the red carpet. He can just walk past everybody and they do. So it is America. There could have been a gun on him at any point in time. You know? <laughs> that's, right. that's absolutely right. Never forget. Right. This is a scary ass. That is true. Crazy I, find, I just find it really triggering because like as an American triggering. Watch yeah. It. And it's an American of blonde experience living in the UK. Um, like not only do people ask me about guns all the time because they assume I'm like a Republican. They people are just mean. People are just rude. They just think they just think you're stupid. They think that I you're think stupid. the entire audience's reaction to the BAFTA rap says it all. They were all like, she's performing. Yeah, that was very British. You know, same a- same vibe as Hugh being like, why are you asking me dumb question? Like, that's like, why are you performing a musical number at the Baptist? It's like, because this is a reward show. Yeah, like, <clears throat> can we have fun, please? Can we chill a little bit? Yeah. They need to legalize Xanax over here. It's ridiculous. Well, this is England. This is England. No fun is allowed. That's I know. the rule. It's like you guys make it so much worse for yourself with the tan food and the no sunlight and the no smiling and the, well, you know what I mean? It's just like, come on, we don't yeah, have to at, be this way. At least you invented tikka masala. We did. And you know what they say, you don't speak to anyone, you don't make any connections and then you kill yourself. That's what it is to yes. be British. That's, <laughs> yes, that's on, the, that's on the flag. That's on the Wikipedia I read. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Usually by drinking yourself to death. That's usually the way. Charming. And it's good because, you know, the stiff upper lip keeps you, uh, you know, we don't keeps- have to talk about our feelings all the time. It's lovely. It was the only it, it was the only thing I didn't like about L.A. I felt like every party I went to in every corner, there were two people having a very in-depth conversation about their feelings. Whoa. And I was like. Never in my life would I speak to anyone how these people are speaking to someone oh, they just met at Sam, a party. You've talked to me about your feelings. Come on. You're a very feeling-y guy. I'm a feelings man. I'm Mr. You're a feelings. Sagittarius. You're a big <laughs> What's jolly. his moon? What's his moon? I forget. You did his reading one time. Oh, yeah. 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 We'd, have to, we'd have to listen to find out. Well, here's what bothers me about British people while we're on the topic. is <laughs> It's just small talk 24 seven until you get them drunk. And then they finally will like talk about something like let you in a little bit. And up until then it's like, how was the weather? How was your mother's weather? Did your mother it, like the weather? What about your It's doll? so funny. You should say that because my wife is Russian and she's always saying to me, Sam, you don't have real friends. I'm like, all of my friends are my <laughs> real friends, but she's like, you don't have friends in the way that I have friends. I get together with my friends and I talk about deep conversations and we really get to know each other. And I'm like, that sounds fucking awful. Oh, we no, do that, thank Sam. you. No, it's just... like I get together with my friends and we jam about throwing gravy all over you, babe. So exactly. Like... <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> which is more intimate? I'm not sure. Uh, you know, my best friend lives in Australia. I've not seen him for 12 years. And, and I who the feel fuck like cares, right? it works fine. That's the it's the ideal male relationship. Well, I do think that's a man versus woman thing. Also. I send him you know, a like, meme once a month and we're both happy with that. 
Yeah, like Nick will literally, <laughs> Nick will come home from a guy's night and be like, oh, this person, and he's hung out with, let's say, Ted. Ted and Mary uh, called their wedding off, and he's been hanging out with Ted for six hours. And I'm like, why? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> and, and I'm like, what did you guys talk about? Right. Like, what did you talk about? You just let it go. Like, we're not getting married anymore. Cool, anyway. Right. Yeah. Like the, it's it's like a weird guy thing where you're just well, that's like, his personal. That's his personal business. It's at our place to find out. And if we're out of the pub, we don't want one of us crying. That's going to ruin the entire evening. Yep. This, this story has really humanized Nick to me. In a, in a <laughs> way no other story you've told me has. You know, I, Sean has I, like I, an axe to grind. <laughs> Sean has an axe to grind with Nick. I don't know why. he. I now have an affinity for him that I, I didn't have previously. Astrology think, heals, baby. I think Sean has always thought that Nick was imaginary because he's never actually met him. <laughs> well, I have never met Steph. She is imaginary. Oh, that is imaginary. <laughs> I've been around Sean's house. He's just got like a, you know, like Hard. a psycho style dressed up doll in the attic. You know? <laughs> mother. Steph is mother. That's it. Hello, <laughs> Steph. I'm <laughs> home from my gig. Hello, Steph. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever works. He has a really just... nice house, too. Oh, it's a gorgeous house. It is hard to believe that you have children. So, yeah, I am actually questioning everything. The house is too clean. They're they're, they're fake as well. Okay. All right. Well, guys, this has been so amazing. Where can people check out the junior misses? How can people support you? And if you were going to start, would you say listen from the top of the album all the way through? Or is there like a place you would say like this is going to be like the single? I would say skip to all my songs. And then put those on repeat, make a playlist out of only those. And what are, then- which ones would you say are the like Molly, like for anybody that's just going to the play, like going to the album? No, I'll be a team player. I, Mom oh. on a Hindu is my real, my standout for yes. me personally, because I wrote it. Well, we all write it all, everything together, but like, it was really my brainchild, but the two songs that have been stuck in my head all day. No, there's three, there's three songs that I love all the songs. Three songs really, really get stuck in my head. Booby work, mm. tikka masala, mm-hmm. and stovepipe full of dreams, which is our spoof of Hamilton about Isambard Kingdom Brunel, who invented trains or something. He made tunnel through box. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess apparently British school children know who he is, but yeah. No, it is my favorite one of the lot. I think because we all are on it, which is very nice, and I love Hamilton and. I started writing that as a joke because I know who is in King of Brunel because Molly said that we all learn about him in school and his name's on every tunnel and bridge in, in England. But it was really nice when I started researching that because I found that I actually have a very large level of respect for this man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas I was writing this silly song, I ended up reading like huge amounts about him. And then I was like, oh, maybe people will actually hear this song and get interested in him and look him up what a fucking sag what a fucking sag so i think that one is my favorite as well i think of all the ones and as i said just because all three of us are on it as well and i really like when we all get to sing together there's not many and we're all singing our hearts out in that one yeah we all do a good job on that one i think feeling the feeling especially like in sean's verse like you sound so ferocious your heads will blow apart (laughs) Sean, what's your favorite oh yeah um, I think that, yeah, that's a good question. Um, cause I, I have, 
I kind of remember the experience of each of the of the songs of creating them of why of why they are the way they are of why why the subject matter is what it is um and you know from I think for me if I were saying to someone who is coming to this fresh where where to begin or or, or what to look to I would I would probably say you know, I, 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 I would before I would explain to them kind of the journey of what the Junior Misses is and what it, what it was that we we came together to create uh, at the initial album, and that was fifty years of fake LA radio station. And in sort of creating those sketches, we put some we put some songs together. We liked the characters, we liked what we had we what we did, and we thought we'd flesh out the universe. Uh, and we began we began the series. And the idea was that there's two songs on every every episode of this uh, of, of season one or series one where um they they bear some relationship to all the sketches there's there's some thematic connection and connective tissue between between all of it uh cool. and and i think that that I, I i i really appreciate i will tell people that i've shared the album with people today uh and we've had we've had nothing but compliments and uh, not a single song that I either wrote or created has been mentioned by anybody. As <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, I've tried, I've tried not to take that that too badly. That's the so funny, Sean. The, the closest I've, I've I've come is I I, I am on Moen Man, uh, and and my my lyric is uh, particularly like obtuse. It was it was on it's on purpose. I think when when people hear the series and they're introduced to the characters. It will. It will becomes. It becomes to make make far more sense. The only solace I have, uh, you know, our, our album cover is 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 a nod to um, a a soon to be canceled band uh, in, the, in the Red Hot Chili Peppers. That's that's why we have all nouns as yes. as underage. But but the only solace I take away is that uh, there are four faces on the album cover, and I am two of them. I am the dog. And I am. <laughs> That's it. You get some The dog on the cover. His name is Timothy Stanfeld. I, I'm, I'm exclusive. This is a, this is a, a space. You heard it here first. I, I am Timothy Stanfeld. Mm. Yeah, that's true. I really like the Jazz Strangler. That one's really good. The Jazz Strangler is a character that Sean invented, who went to World War II, and he came back and became a jazz man, and he is obsessed with still killing Nazis. So he, everywhere he goes, he thinks he sees Nazis and he kills them. So it's, there's a sketch on the forthcoming podcast about it. And the theme song about the jazz strangler is on the album. And wow, it just really sounds like a real old folk song. Like you listen to it and you're like, this is like a real shanty town kind of like, I don't know. It's, it's believable, you know, it works. So the album is on Spotify. That was the main question that you asked. Uh, yes. It's on Apple Music and 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 on Amazon. It's on all all downloadable, all all digital services. Um, so you can buy it on iTunes. You can listen to it on Apple Music. You can get it on Spotify. You can get it on uh, on vinyl. On you can get it on vinyl. That's where I get it. Yep, exactly there. You can get it on CD. You can get it on vinyl. You could buy if you buy it on iTunes. First of all, that would be hilarious. And second of all, we could actually chart. If, if enough people buy it on iTunes, because this yes. is a really little known fact about like, like a lot of music publicists will put out the stats about iTunes because iTunes still has charts. It still has these very transparent charts for every genre of music, but no one buys music off iTunes anymore. So like, it's really easy 
to send any new album into the charts. So like, actually, we should have thought of this before, because if we can get everyone to buy it, everyone we know, buy it on iTunes, maybe we can chart. Because there's yeah, like space, three people space, buying those. And do the ten dollars uh, that it costs to uh, to buy it on iTunes. That's uh, that's yeah. a space trash guarantee. Yeah, you, space trash will send you money trash. if you buy it. Can you guys so send, send us money so that we could send it to them? That's, yeah. Uh, uh, so, no, no. This is we're not. This isn't our podcast. We're just oh. making promises for you. That's what oh. we're doing right now. And I. Uh, I heard, okay, while we're on that vein, I, I heard it promised that if you buy the album on iTunes and you're just sort of in the zone of shopping, the luckiest thing that you could do as we approach the Lunar New Year is to actually also just b- join the Patreon while you're at it and sort yeah. of like a double shopping um, extravaganza, which will bring you luck in the new year. Patreon.com yes. slash Space Trash Podcast. It's not the Lunar New Year yet. Isn't it a little late? I actually, it's actually not. I, I'm wrong. I lied. It's not I think the it was Lunar like New a, Year. It's the, it's the astral, it's the zodiacal New Year. It's the astrological okay. New Year. I was going to say, Lululemon did a whole red line. Of yeah, no, no, no. We'll know when it's like a month ago. We'll know with the ads. Yeah, it's not the Lunar New Year yet, but it is. Well, actually, I guess it actually it is the Lunar New Year. The Aries New Moon is both the Lunar New Year and the, um, any, I'm going to Google it now. I'm really confused. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty yeah, yeah. sure that the Lunar New Year is the new moon in Aries. Okay. Yep. Well, we will keep everyone posted on that. Well, and happy St. Patrick's Day. And Sam and Sean, thank you so much for talking to us. My pleasure. I had a great time. Thank you for having me again. Okay. I'm going to go jam to your album while I walk these dogs. Tikka Masala. Tikka Masala. Not too hot or mild. Tikka masala, tikka masala, you can feed it to a child. Chicken, lamb, veggie beef, it's the sauce that cannot be beat. Have it with rice or with a naan, not too hot won't cause you harm. Tikka masala, tikka masala, I'll eat it in my vest. Tikka masala, tikka masala, makes me feel less depressed. Tikka masala, tikka masala, cures the world's ills. Tikka masala, tikka masala, I'll eat and get my fill of curry. Nothing tastes as good as a tikka masala, tikka masala. Nothing ever completes me like a tikka masala, but my wife has left me. It was a favourite, a favourite type of food. We would eat it, she'd start acting lewd. Oh tikka masala, tikka masala, aphrodisiac. Tikka masala, tikka masala, I'd smear it on her back. Mop it off her back with an onion bhaji. That's right, an onion bhaji. You get lots of sauce in the grooves. Tikka masala, smooth sauce, it's not too lumpy. Didn't make my wife too grumpy. Have a little bit of rumpy bumpy and then be sticky all night, all night. Nothing tastes as good as a tikka masala, tikka masala. Nothing ever completes me like a tikka masala And she's taken both the kids Bindaloo, no thank you, it upsets my tummy Korma is too mild and it tastes too coconutty Jalfrezi is nicely spiced but it is just too dry I need a wet curry if I'm sitting at home having a little cry 
Comma, Passada, different names. I don't know why they taste the same. Maybe my neighbor Jeff's to blame for why my wife has run away. Wife and Jeff at the Bengal Heart. I was out playing darts. He came in and he stole my wife. You've got to admit that wasn't very nice. Tikka Masala, Tikka Masala, it's my favorite food. Tikka Masala, Tikka Masala reminds me of you. Tikka Masala, Tikka Masala, I really hate Jeff. Tikka Masala, Tikka Masala, it is just the best food in the world. Come back to me, Maureen. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.